0: Back to the why Hockey Periodical Podcast. I had been hinting at this for a little bit that uh, if the Panthers series is getting you down, and it probably is, or in your my case, life is getting you down, how about an antidepressant with a very fun interview with one of the most, if not the most, fun person in hockey on Twitter and social media today? And that would be Igor Larionov II. I am extremely excited to have you on, Igor.
1: How are you doing? I'm doing well, you know, just um, living the life, training, watching some good sports on TV, hanging out with friends. Can't complain, can't complain.
0: And apparently you broke your nose in a ball hockey game.
1: Uh, Yeah, I had a ball hockey game last Saturday, and it was overtime, I got high-sticked, blood was gushing everywhere, but, you know, I can't stop playing, I couldn't get off the ice because, you know, it's overtime, and luckily enough, my, my line mate, was able to hit me with a backdoor pass, and I was able to score the winning goal in overtime afterwards. You know, they're ball hockey players. They're not used to, you know, people bleeding. They all saw me. They all started taking pictures of me thinking something's crazy, but in my mind, it's not hockey. There's not a lot of blood, so it was good. It was fun.
0: You're right, and so I choose to think that this is the podcasting equivalent of me hearing that some player played the entire Stanley Cup playoffs with a torn labrum or something and just did, because that's what happens.
1: One hundred percent, one hundred percent. I have to agree with you there.
0: My favorite tweet of that is our my friend Brock McGillis who tweeted you like, That's ketchup.
1: <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Listen,
0: it's one of the first times he said anything quite funny. So hi Brock. <laughs> no you're listening to this. Um, I've wanted to have you on because there's a lot of reasons. You'll you'll get to hear about them in a second.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: this is one of the things that I always think about when I follow this sport on Twitter, it's the people who aren't actually playing that are the most interesting most of the time. And then I see your Twitter feed and like, wow, this is fun. He wears 69 unironically and he just enjoys it. This is great. So where did you get this, you know, this this personality that's allowed you to do something that many of your fellow pros don't do?
1: Honestly, I'm just being myself. It's not like I'm, you know showing some kind of different personality or something i just i just like to have fun and i like to i've always enjoyed to to just take things a bit lightly and have fun with things so it's not like i'm going out of my way to show personality i'm just i'm just not putting up a block if that makes sense where a lot of people they they choose to put up a block or like a filter when they show themselves for me it's the complete opposite i just i go out there and i just be who i am and you know, if you like that, great. And if you don't like that, you know, well, I'm sorry. I'm not going to apologize for being myself. So in terms of that, I just – it's just fun to to be you and not have to worry about, you know, conforming to what other people want you to be because I think there's – you know, life's too short to be what other people want you to be. You should just be you.
0: I wish more hockey players thought like you. This, this sport <laughs> would be better if we – if Connor McDavid thought like that and wasn't a robot. I mean, he is a robot I, anyway, but, you know. <laughs> I mean, there, I agree with there, there, there's so many things I, I, I could talk with you about. But I mean, if you want to an end of a good example of his personality, his pinned tweet on Twitter is a great example of that. And uh, I did not realize what that was. I think I probably saw that highlight like three years ago. And that was you and mm-hmm. Junior doing one of the best celebrations you could possibly see. To, uh, it was a, it was a curling celebration because we all love curling during the Olympics. Yes. And, and, <laughs> and I think you said you got what benched for a period for that.
1: Yeah, they benched me for an entire period. They basically weren't too happy with that. They said um, that I'm disrespecting the game of hockey and that I should watch the period from the from the bench. And uh, that's basically how it happened.
0: What That was, I believe, the team that you played for, Windsor? Is that right?
1: Yeah, I played for Windsor at the time. And honestly, we didn't practice the the last couple practices before. And, like, everyone saw us doing it. So I don't know why they were so surprised. But – um. When we actually did it, my coaches were very angry at me. They weren't, they weren't, they didn't say the kindest words to me or my buddy who did it. And after that, in the second period, we were losing and they started playing me again. And I ended up, I think I had two more points that game and I got first star. So you can't really say anything to that. But after the game, they're like, we're going to have a talk tomorrow morning. You're, you know, this is very serious. And I'm like, yo, I just did a celebration. What's, what's up? But, um, but basically, what happened was it went viral overnight. And our next game ended up being sold out because, well, people I guess want to see things that are fun and entertaining. Shocker, but um, yeah, right. yeah, there was there was no talk the next day, and I was back playing. I was on the first line again, and nothing changed. So, I guess when they uh, realized that this was literally on ESPN, TSN, every major like sporting network in North America, and the game was sold out, they probably didn't they didn't care anymore. They were like, oh wow, you know, that's pretty cool. So, we're making you know, is
0: uh, if yeah they're making if money funny, exactly money isn't that amazing oh the Windsor Spitfires are owned by someone named Bob Boogner have I said anything mean about Bob Boogner on this podcast hmm wonder <laughs> Longtime <laughs> listeners you can tell me at at hockey or at, at Matt's Music's one have I said anything about Bob Boogner that would have been uh, taken the wrong way did I do that once it's a Panthers Hi. podcast No, he had nothing to do with it, but that was during the time he was coaching the Panthers, so maybe he wasn't paying attention. Uh, Maybe. I I had to make that joke. It was sitting, it was staring right in front (laughs) of me. Uh, I want to get to a couple things with you, because some of the things that I I do when I learn about some of the people we're interviewing for this or any other show I do, um, obviously everyone knows who your father is, Uh, one of the most influential, important hockey players of all time. And you posted an amazing picture of you drinking from the cup from 2002. That has to be. <laughs> um, and you choked. I got the Stanley Cup curse on me then. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, which, again, very good point. I And then somebody posted beyond that was like, wait, who's the only person who touched the cup before they won? And it was like Ryan Getzloff or something. I don't pay attention mm-hmm. to much of the minutia of that. But uh, for you, to for your dad, obviously, as one of the most – one of the greatest players of all time and one of the most important players considering the mm-hmm. role he played for such an influential team in the history of the sport. I mean, yeah. do you think of like, cause I think of you growing up a certain way and obviously you, you don't, but like anytime I hear that name now, I'm like, Oh right. His son's cool on Twitter. So <laughs> what's that relationship like with you and your dad? Because I think, I think of him as a player and I think of you and I've seen some of the highlights and you go, there's something, there's that lineage there. I can see it and it's kind of cool. Mm.
1: Yeah I mean um, I grew up with him as first of all he's just dad he's not like a hockey player or anything so when people uh, people look at him most people they look at him as you know either a celebrity or an athlete or all of these things to me he was just my dad so it was never anything like crazy because of that but I mean it was really cool having a dad like that I didn't really realize it at the time when I was younger like as a four or five, six year old, you don't really realize what's going on. You're just like, all right, you know, my dad's friends are coming over and his friends are like, let's say Steve Eisenman, Brendan Shanahan, like guys like that. And it's like, these are just his coworkers. You don't really realize that these are some of the greats of a sport or something, like some of the, some people that, you know, generations look up to. So in terms of that, it wasn't anything special. It was just like, you know, it's just my dad, he's going to work. Like he just happens to work on a freezing ice sheet and he, you know, chases a rubber disc for 60 minutes. You know, it, it wasn't like something that I looked at as something special. It was just, he's going to work, you know, he's coming back home later at night. And if, you know, he's not tired or something, he might read me a bedtime story. So it was, it was something like that. It was never in the way of, you know, how other people look at it. And in terms of my career, I mean, I, I'm very lucky that I have someone that is able to, you know, coach me, is able to give me tips, is able to watch games with me, show me game film. And I'm very grateful for that because not many people have the opportunity to live with and just, you know, it's sort of like when you talk to like a young player and they're playing with like a a legend or something, they're like a sponge and they're just soaking in all the information, like watching them, what they're doing. I, I was able to grow up with that. I was able to, you know, live with that. And I still am able to see him both, you know, the stuff he says and just by example of the stuff he continues to do in terms of even, even now he still trains a lot. Even now he still has um, great dedication to what he does. And, you know, in terms of that, I was very lucky that I had the first hand experience of, of basically just experiencing that and being in, involved with that. So that was very, very cool. But also there's always some downsides to, to everything. Cause no, there's no such thing as something that's perfect. There's always some downside to everything. And because of that, there's obviously a lot of pressure and a lot of expectation, but at the same time, I enjoy the pressure. I feel like I perform better when there's a microscope on me. So, yeah, when I was young, it was kind of tough, but now, when you know, I know that people are going to pay extra attention to me because of my name. It just I feel like I play better because of that because I know that there's more tension. At the end of the day, I view myself sort of like an entertainer, and the bigger the stage, the better I'll entertain. So that's how I look at things now. Well, that's
0: that's the way you want to you know be. Mm-hmm. Especially, and again, I, I'm sorry for the meme, but it, it's this sport. Like, it is extremely entertaining. And I'm coming off yeah. watching, you know, we're watching the playoffs right now, and they're extremely entertaining. You know, we're watching the Panthers-Lightning game on Sunday, and you're like, that is what this sport should be about all the time. Of course. That's, yeah. That is, and I'm, and I'm watching that as a not neutral, but even then I'm watching it and I'm like, I'm exhausted. But that's what you should feel after a game like that. You know, they're trying to yeah. win, but it's also immensely entertaining
1: and i it's, think that's yeah, it's amazing to watch it's amazing to watch the the first two games have been just just fantastic like i well i, I can't sort stop of it,
0: sort of fantastic i mean <laughs> i wish i was a neutral because then i could say yeah, yeah great i can't say that
1: that is but, true that is true
0: so i mean listen to our recaps if you want to hear more about all of that but what's the best piece of advice that your dad gave you that that's the one that stuck with you the most through your through your career
1: um, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's not even, like, a piece of, like, um, advice of, like, I feel like a lot of people would, would think I would say, like, some movie taught me or some way to prepare or something like that. But in reality, the biggest piece of advice he always gave me and still gives me is is just to go out and have fun and play like you're on the outdoor rink. You know, play like you're just there to have fun. There's no expectation. There's no nothing he says, "You always play your best games when you just go out to have fun, and you have to continue that because that's how I played in my career. If I thought about the expectations, if I thought about all those things, I would never accomplish what I did. And whenever I played, I just looked at the ice as a canvas, and I was the, you know, the paintbrush, and I was trying to paint a, a picture or something. And when you have, um, when you go out there without worrying about making a mistake, worrying about something else, and just go out there." focused on enjoying the game then that's when you play your best game so that's what he's always that's what he's basically um his biggest piece of advice to me and it's it's never changed it's been the same since you know mites to peewees to juniors all the way to pros so that's something i i always try to follow
0: do you feel that this generation of players yours the ones that came up just maybe a little few years ahead of you do you feel Mm -hmm. like that's something that they've absorbed in a way that maybe your dad's generation didn't i know it's different because of where he came from but do you mm-hmm. feel like because you guys grew up watching your dad play, watching, yeah. you know, that the Russian five and watching some of these skilled players, and now we're watching McDavid and Kane and Crosby and Ovechkin, all of them. Do you think that that's something mm-hmm. your generation has kind of taken hold? Because it feels more, and I'm not somebody who's followed hockey forever, but it feels like this, it's, the shackles are coming off a little bit of this sport in just the fact that we're seeing more of the skill and the focus on skill in more ways than we've seen before.
1: Yeah, I think that's 100% true. If you if you look at, you know, a lot of the teams, a lot of younger guys are getting opportunities, and I feel like in the past, a team would rather take like a, a 35-year-old veteran, whereas now, I feel like most teams would rather, you know, rather have one of their young guys play just to develop them and let them, and let them play and let them get better and make let, let them make mistakes because you're not gonna learn without making some mistakes when you're young. So. In terms of that, you can definitely see that these young guys, the young players are are way more skilled because even even looking at youth hockey, it's there's so much of the focus is on skill development, is on skating development, less on um systems and you know, getting pucks in deep, getting pucks out. Of course that's important. But when you're young and you wanna wanna develop, the most important thing is developing your skills, your hockey IQ, all these different things. And looking at guys now, you can definitely tell that They've done a good job in developing that because a lot of players are actually, you know, they're they're skill-first players. And that's something that's really – it's great because that's what you want to watch as a fan. And that's what, you know, sells out arenas. That's what makes games retaining. And I think that's great for the sport.
0: Mm, definitely is. Now, I have to – there's so many other questions I want to get to you. But I have to first talk mm. about this because you played in China for mm. KHL's Beijing Kunlun Red Star. I don't want to know exactly what the name is and forgive me for that. <laughs> I still looked it up. So, this was last year. This is during the middle of a raging pandemic. And Mm -hmm. there's also playing hockey in China. And we have to talk about that because the Olympics are going to be there and there's all geopolitical things. And that's not what this podcast is about. But what's it like playing hockey in China, let alone playing hockey in China during the middle of a global
1: pandemic? We were actually very lucky this season because the team was supposed to, originally, we were supposed to be in China. But because of the pandemic, they had moved us to Moscow, Russia, for the full season. Mm. So, some of the guys they had, you know, they were in China at the very start. But because the team had to be moved to Russia, a lot of the people that were supposed to be on the team were basically let go of because of visa issues. So, at that point, they just started looking for guys who had, you know, citizenships, uh, Russian citizenships, um, younger guys. And at that point i was in north america i was waiting for the ahl season to start which pretty much started i think seven months later than it was supposed to so at that point it was i think september ish i get a call from the gm of Kunlun, and he basically tells me like we need guys right now and at that point i was like i'm i'm sold i'm coming and because i didn't want to wait the entire season i didn't want to not play any games so at that point i I got on a flight a week later, and three days later, I was playing my first game. So, but no, it was really cool. And in Russia, the pandemic, it was sort of more of like a herd immunity. Um, the government treated it that way. And, oh, you, you don't say. Yeah. And it was one of those things where like everyone you meet were like, oh, yeah, I already had it. I already had it. So, like, it was, they didn't really take it as seriously as they should have because there's people that were getting sick all the time. But at the same time, life was sort of, never really changed over there. It was never, like, any social distancing. No one was really wearing masks. So in terms of that, it wasn't really any different to playing there in a regular season. The only difference was, you know, capacity was a bit different in in stadiums or arenas. But other than that, it was pretty much the same way it would be any other season.
0: Well, so you're playing for a Chinese team that wasn't actually in China during the middle of the pandemic that the Russians didn't take particularly seriously. But Mm -hmm. everybody who, who you hear in any interview is like, what's the best KHL story? You know, a <laughs> stereotypical KHL story from somebody who played in, I don't know, Kazakhstan. What's the greatest Kazakh story you can think of? Do you have a great stereotypical KHL story?
1: I have a lot of stories. Um, let, me, let me think of, of a particular one. One second. Let me check my phone. I have, I have you them all have, written, written I bet you here. have some good ones. I have a lot. All right, let me see. I
0: mean, playing for, as I said, a Chinese team based in Moscow during a
1: pandemic is, is pretty out there regardless Mm. i have actually have a good one so i played my first game against Spartak, Mm. and then the next day we had to come into the rink at 9 a.m and they would check our temperatures when we'd walk in and when i walked in i had a slightly raised temperature which i think i was just run down from traveling internationally and playing a game so i was just i think i was just tired and at that point they sent me home because of like the the rules and all that, and they and they said you have to get tested, all these things. So they test me three days later with the results coming on everything. I'm I'm fine. They're like, take two more days off just to be sure. I'm like, okay, I took two more days off. I come back to practice. I I practice for three days. Our next game is against metallurg and the coach comes up to me He's like, how are you feeling? I'm like, I'm good. I'm ready to go. He's like, all right, good. You're playing tonight. You're on the centering the second line, you know, use your speed, all these great things. Like, they're, they're a bigger team, but they're slow, so you'll be able to use your speed as an advantage. I'm like, I was, you know, I was like, all right, cool, yeah, I'm excited, all these things. So I come home, I take my pregame nap with about two hours before the game, before I'm about to leave for the game. I get a call from my GM, and he says, uh, you know, actually, we forgot to add you to the roster for today's game, so you can't play. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. How did you guys forget to add me to the roster? I've been on the roster. And he goes, Well, when you were sick, we accidentally put you on the COVID list. So that takes you off for two weeks. So for us to take you off the list, it takes 48 hours. And we forgot to do that. So you can't play today. You, so basically, they just forgot. They just forgot. So basically, I was, I was, in, during my pregame nap, I was, you know, asleep, getting ready for the game. And I get woke, they woke me up. With a call saying that they forgot to take me off the COVID list, even though I never had COVID at that point, and I couldn't play that night because they couldn't—they forgot to register me for the roster—and just like stuff like that happens so often over there, it's it's honestly quite shocking how they're able to even you know run anything because things like that are so so common. And when that happened to me, obviously I was very upset because you know you want to play. And I think we had a four-day break in between games at that point. And I was just so angry because I was like, I just didn't understand. Like, I did everything right. I came back. I didn't test positive. Like, I took three days off when they told me to. Like, I did all these things. And I come back, practice well, get ready for the game, get, like, talked up by the coach. You know, I'm excited. And then two hours before I leave for the rink, I get a call saying, oh, actually, we forgot to, we forgot to register you. And that was just super frustrating because everyone knows, like, When you're playing and when you're not playing, you prepare totally differently. And it's like the night before I went to bed earlier, like I had my certain like special meals, did all these things. And then all of a sudden, like, actually, no, you're not playing. It's just very annoying, very frustrating.
0: I I, I can imagine that something like that being kind of common. But I think by by the point you hear all these KHL stories, and I can't think of some of them because off the top of my head, Mm -hmm. I've heard a bunch of them. And you're like, oh, that seems kind of tame. Because you think <laughs> of the NHL and you think of how rigorous everything is, even in a non-covid year, everything is meticulous. Yeah. planned. even for the worst teams this happens. So if something yeah. like that happens in the NHL, I mean, good lord, we're making fun of that
1: for 3 weeks. Exactly. No one we're, even notices. nuts. I mean, nobody even notices, there nobody even cares and it's like one one of my buddies, he was playing uh, for Sochi a couple of years ago and they forgot to they forgot to put his last name on his jersey so he couldn't play a game. Like, they forgot to stitch his last name on his jersey so he couldn't play a game. Just, like, stuff like that constantly happens. One of my friends, they forgot to bring his... He just signed, and he was supposed to make his debut, and they and they brought the wrong helmet for him. They had two different helmets. So what they tried to do was put hockey tape all over the helmet so it would match, and obviously that's not allowed. So people constantly miss games because of that. And then we'd fly on very, like... The planes aren't really shady, but, like, they were kind of weird. Like, every every flight, there'd be a, a moment where you're sort of – everyone's chilling on the plane. We're all talking. And then all of a sudden, the plane just goes silent. Everyone on the plane just starts looking at one another. Then you feel it drop a little bit. And then the entire plane goes silent. And everyone's like, what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, one of the guys would just yell out of nowhere, like, well boys, I guess we're dying on this plane together and then the plane would just start flying again. It was just and, like and
0: I and, and I'm thinking in my head as you're telling this story, like, this is kinda morbid because we know what happened when it actually went wrong and it's yeah. still burnt into our heads as hockey
1: fans. Exactly. And like that would happen a lot, just like weird noises and we'd all look at each other and, and the boys would yell and joke and be like, Oh, Kunlun Airways, it's not a Kunlun flight unless there's a near death experience. It was just <laughs> It was just the weirdest stuff like that happening, which I'm sure they were like safe or something. But like it just feels weird and and it's not something you typically hear on a regular commercial flight.
0: It's and I mean, again, it's it's Russia. I understand that. But some of this stuff you're just like, okay, maybe that's a little too morbid. Like even then I'm like, okay, if I made that joke, I'd probably, you know, get in trouble for that. But then it's real. Yeah. And you must be going in your head thinking, oh, hey, wait a second here. Yeah, I mean, I, I was,
1: I don't know. It, it, do you it was,
0: build up immunity to that after, after a while? Like, it happens kind. so many times, you're like,
1: Fine. Every time we'd land, it was like, you'd have to have your seatbelt on because they land that thing so hard. If you don't have your seatbelt on, you're going to fly up and hit your head on the ceiling. It's like, I, usually a plane just, like, glides down. I swear they just drop out of the air and do, like, two bounces, and then they land. It's just, like, one of those things where it's like, what are we doing? <laughs> But um, no, it's like I, I was I was always on there and I was like, I, I, I'm not gonna like, it's not gonna end this way, you know? It's not gonna end like by the plane just dropping in the sky. Like I just, you know, I had a firm belief that that wasn't gonna happen and I was never really too scared. It was obviously some moments where your stomach drops, you're like, is something gonna happen? But then typically after 10, 15 seconds, you're like, all right, everything's fine.
0: Oh, Russian hockey, isn't it fun? <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's an adventure. And, 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 and when I first started to get to see you on Twitter I made it made a gag saying hey a Russian hockey player says something about something or other which we'll get to later and you're like wait I don't consider myself Russian hockey player well you are yeah. I mean obviously but you lived in the U.S. all your life and I was like oh I, I, I take that back I'm, I'm sorry I should have thought a little <laughs> bit more clearly on that mm-hmm. so but how do you view yourself as somebody again son of famous Ru- Russian hockey hall of famer but you've lived in the U.S. all your life Like, how do you, how do you view that personally?
1: I get asked that a lot. And whenever people ask me that, I always say, like, honestly, I just view myself as a person of the world because I've lived in so many different places where I can't really claim a certain spot because my, you know, development has been influenced by so many different cultures, so many different regions of the world where parts of me are very Russian, but parts of me are very, you know, North American. And then other parts are some things i do are like very midwestern because i lived in the midwest other things are very la about me so like it's it's one of those things where i can't really say i'm i'm anything if that makes sense i'm i'm a little bit of everything and i try to sort of grab the best out of every culture the best of every um situation i was in because i feel like that's that's all we can do as human beings if we're you know, exposed to different cultures, you don't want to take the bad from that culture. You want to take the good. So because of that, I honestly would say I'm just a person of the world and I'm lucky enough that I was able to, to be in different places. Oh, I'm sorry.
0: Your dog agrees with you.
1: Yeah. I should probably tell him to stop.
0: That's, that's okay. I mean, it's, it's podcasting. I've heard worse on the, on the air. I've, I've had recordings drop out of nothing. It happens. Your dog wants to be now. a part of it too. Who Who wouldn't want to be a part of y hockey? He says. He's he says. As he, as he grins through his teeth. <laughs> so, if by some, you know, if by some chance we're getting to a point in the future where you're asked to play on an international team, which one would you play for?
1: That's really interesting because I've been called up for the Russian team once before, but that was for like um, that was two seasons ago. That was for a preseason tournament and i was you know i was planning to go but i got injured a couple of days before so i had to pull out of that but you know i'm at the point in my life where i don't really know i i don't really look at international hockey as something that would overly interest me i think it would be very cool to you know obviously play at one of these events or one of these tournaments but at the same time i'm more focused on you know my team career my club career all of that and if that comes i would have to think about it but at this very moment i'm honestly not too worried about that i guess technically at my allegiance right now is to to russia based off of the fact that i was you know called up and that i played the past two seasons there so i think i to play for a different national team i might have to there's some process you have to go through but as of right now i'm not really you know thinking about that or worried about that
0: it's always a fun question i think you know, because we see a bunch of the dual nationals. And I think of this from a soccer mindset. And I know you're also a soccer fan. So
1: mm.
0: I also, I, I, I'm guilty of doing the, the U.S. soccer thing where I'm like, oh, what other national team could he play for? And how is he going to pick that other national team? <laughs> that was the U.S. soccer thing for years. Oh, yeah. That's they had nice. a, lot of, a lot
1: of Germans. Yeah.
0: Lots of German Americans. Again, mm. yeah, my grandfather is German. If people don't know, that was born in Germany. So technically, I would be eligible for Germany, too, by FIFA rules. Yep. Not sure they take me. <laughs> Last name is German, so maybe I could get away with it, but I cannot speak a leak of German, so it's probably not something I would be thinking about. It might not get me in the Bundesliga either. Uh, I want to talk about this specifically. One of the reasons why I really wanted to talk to you is because of something you do on Twitter, and I'm I'm so glad that you we were recording this now because I think it was it was two days ago you you posted something very beautiful about being an ally for the oppressed communities uh, Mm -hmm. in general, but particularly hockey, which is, as if you know me, I'm openly bisexual. If you know me, I host a podcast about out people in sports, and one of my hobby horses is particularly making sure that it's better in this sport because it is so difficult in this particular sport. And that is is so uplifting to me, to seeing somebody like you tweeting that and being so positive about it and being so forthright about it. And that gives me hope that there are people out there who are allies who really want to make this better. And so what mm-hmm. pushed you to start to do that? And I know you said at one point, somebody on Twitter, it was what's well, good of a platform if you don't use it, which is obviously an amazing mindset. But since you're one of the few that does it, what was the push to get you to do something like that?
1: Honestly, there wasn't really a push. I've just always lived my life where I don't really like, you know, bullies or when people are taking advantage of something or just being mean. So when I, when I notice that, you know, a community or something is being treated unfairly, you know, I'm going to step up and I'm going to say something because I don't think that's right. And I have a lot of friends that, you know, tell me about some horror stories they've experienced, you know, whether it be their due to their race, due to, you know, all these different things. And when I hear that, it, it breaks my heart. And that's something that I can't, you know, just stay quiet. So for me, it was always easy. Like if I, if I see something wrong, if I believe in something, I'm going to, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to speak out on it, especially if, if there's a platform and it can make a difference in someone's life. Like, I think you have to do that. But honestly, when I, when I say some of these things, it's, to me, it's like, I'm not trying to be an activist. I'm just, to me, it's common sense. You know, it's, it's common sense that like, if someone isn't being treated correctly, then that has to end. You know, everyone should be treated with the same respect and the same, you know, equally. And I I don't think it's right when, you know, someone looks at you and they're like, Oh, you know, I, I don't like you not because you're a bad person. I don't like you because your skin color. I don't like you because, you know, you're gay. I don't like you because of religion. Like, no, I don't think that's right. You, you have to, you know, base your judgment on someone off of their character and not off of, you know, all those other things.
0: And it's, and it's great to see somebody have that mindset because, and
1: you know this, you've been everywhere in this sport. Mm -hmm. That's
0: just something that's not talked about.
1: Yeah, no, it isn't talked about at all. And a lot of people are very um, put off by it when they see that, which I don't understand particularly because it doesn't really, it doesn't affect them. It doesn't bother them. So like, when I, when I added my pronouns to my bio, it's something very simple that anyone can do, but it makes a big difference for a lot of people. And while my friends were you know saying, why are you doing that? That was such a bad look. I'm like, look, at the end of the day, this hurts nobody, and all it does is make a group of people feel more comfortable. It's a win-win. And, and their immediate response to that was, that's so soft of them. How are they so soft that something that small would affect them? And my response to them was, well, I think you guys are the soft ones because something that doesn't affect you has gotten you triggered. So, in terms of that, it's just it's very annoying when people choose you know hate over love, and that's something that I just cannot stand for.
0: I've never seen someone so happy to put the pronouns in their bio for ever. Which is great.
1: Yeah, it was it was one of those things where like I just got a message from someone, and I'm like, you know, who's this gonna hurt? Honestly, nobody will just make someone's day. Absolutely. So at that point, I like, think this is an easy decision. It was, it was extremely, I
0: mean, you, I, I looked at some of the comments and some of the, these tweets or Instagram, and you just look at all these people who are like, wow, I've never seen that before. This makes me really happy. And you realize there are a lot of people out there who really like this sport, but yeah. the sport pushes them back with stuff like that. And to see, Again, it wouldn't matter who it was, but to see somebody like you do it, it, it just gives them hope that the sport can change, or that there's somebody out there who's willing to put in the work to make it happen. And again, you're not—you don't have to be an activist to do this. You don't have to, you know, invest. It's just the little things sometimes that just that will make people's day. And I, I think it's it's awesome, obviously, that you you've taken that and you've run with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, like it's it's very easy just to say some nice words it's it's not that hard to to give someone the time of day to brighten their day you know it's that's that's how i honestly look at it because what's the point of me just sitting there and if someone if i can do something that makes someone's day better you know i'm going to do it so for me it was an easy decision you know i just have to say something it doesn't take a lot of effort. It doesn't take a lot of time, but it makes a big difference to a lot of people. And, you know, I think if you can do that, you should.
0: Absolutely. And again, being one of the few people that I've seen actually do that, you know, to just mm-hmm. flat aren't many in this sport who are willing to. And all, all that you hear from people who care about, you know, this particular issue in hockey is you just need a couple people. And yeah. if you get a couple, then that starts pushing the ball down the hill and you don't have to be doing, you know, the outright activism. All you have to do is some of the simple things and just tweeting support. And I look at your tweets as I see it right now. I'm like the tweets that for you get the most likes and retweets are stuff like that. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, you've, you've tweeted some pretty funny stuff and Mm -hmm. it's very, your Twitter feeds extremely entertaining, but the stuff that gets the most likes and retweets is the stuff like, Hey, be an ally yeah what does that say to you and again we're talking about i love following you on social media it's it's amazingly entertaining and to see that what what does that say you know it says there are a lot of people out there who are who are you know will follow lots of funny things but the support is sometimes can make people's day and again i think seeing it from any hockey player let alone somebody like you is 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 just awesome and You don't know how many people like that could cause a good domino effect where somebody's like, "Hey, I feel a little bit more safe to be in this sport now." Somebody who is who is struggling with their sexuality or something of this nature may not actually leave, or they might feel, "Hey, there's somebody out there," and that can you know calm their nerves a bit.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the fact that the other day I saw someone on Instagram followed me, a young hockey player in the WHL, and you know he had his pronouns in his bio and i was just thinking like that's so refreshing to see like you don't typically see that at all who is this
0: player we must make sure that he is known to the world as a good person
1: i honestly forgot his account because i just saw it i was i was just so shocked i didn't even read his name i just read his pronouns like wow i can't believe this so in terms of that if like if there's people out there that are continuing to do that and if the younger generation is doing this then I think that, you know, we're on the right path. You know, obviously it's a long and difficult road, but if there's already some kind of movement towards that, then we're definitely going in the right direction.
0: That's absolutely right. And again, when you get, I mentioned Brock McGillis off the top, when Brock notices, hey, look at this guy. Mm. I, that you, You're doing something right when you're, when you're doing that. And yeah, I yeah. know and, and knowing Brock the way I know him and how seriously he takes this, you don't have to be curtis gabriel or do what he does to be just to make him just to make this go wow that that's great and i know Mm -hmm. you know people out there who are like this is awesome i love this and there are people out there who definitely definitely are enthralled to see this every single day it makes them feel just that little bit better so what does that make it makes you feel it's gotta make you feel great to know that there are people out there who are like man, this, this is one of the best feelings I have is knowing that there's somebody out there in the sport I love that's supporting me when it feels like this sport doesn't support me.
1: Yeah. I mean, for me personally, it's just, it's, it's like the feeling of knowing that you helped someone. And I think there's no better, no better feeling out there than, than knowing that you made a difference because a lot of people live, live their life and they don't really make a difference. They don't really leave a positive imprint. And if I'm able to leave a positive imprint, if I'm able to, you know, brighten someone's day, if I'm able to, I haven't brightened someone's day, but let's say someone doesn't feel comfortable in the, because of um, the hockey culture and they don't want to be a fan anymore. If I'm able to to tweet something and they're like, you know, well, I have an ally on my side here. Well, that's, that's huge. And, you know, just doing stuff like that, it, it honestly, it brings a smile to my face knowing that, you know, something I said could potentially, you know, help a kid continue playing his career or anything like that. So that just, that really, you know, makes me happy.
0: And I'm glad it makes you happy because it makes a lot of us out there who are making this, not our life's work, but are trying to work hard to make this sport better you know, in mm-hmm. that regard and happy. And we've seen Megan Duggan getting a, a role today in a front office and somebody tweeted, that might be the first openly gay person to ever have a role in an NHL front office, which
1: it's a big yeah, step. It's
0: 2021. It's, 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 yeah. and. And I try to say, you know, I want to be a part of this sport. I love this sport. You know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be doing some of the things that I do and talking the way I talk about this and, and you know, working with people that I've, I've done some you know, some interviews with if I didn't care about this sport deeply and wanted to be better. And that's one of, and it was kind of one of the main reasons why I wanted to have you on is to talk about this. But obviously there's so many other things too. Um, I, I, because life has gotten busy, there was one podcast you did where uh, – you wanted to meet Bradley Cooper in a boxing ring? I have to ask about this. <laughs> what what happened here? What what what's the nexus
1: of this thing? So so basically, what happened was I posted a video of me and my sister singing the song from the Bradley Cooper film um, I was Born*, just to karaoke. And there was a bunch of people, you know, joking, saying like, "You guys are better than Cooper and Gaga." You know, to this day, I think we we could, we held our own, but um. Yeah, they just started joking about that, and I said, you know, Bradley Cooper isn't loved in Russia because he broke off his engagement with a Russian model, and everyone really supported this woman, so I basically said, Bradley Cooper, if you want, 10, <laughs> 10 rings in a boxing uh, boxing uh, competition or whatever, and just um, basically like a Rocky Rocky Four, whatever, rematch, East versus West, I'm defending the pride of Arena Shake, he's... I don't know defending the pride of like Lady Gaga or something. I don't know, but no, I just said it as a joke. But but people thought I was pretty funny. And hey if Bradley Cooper wants to get in the ring, you know, let's do it.
0: Well, you're in you are in L A., so it's not couldn't be that long a drive.
1: I'm sure it's pretty close. I'm sure he's around. I, I would
0: think so, right? Yeah, you've done a you've done a lot of podcasts recently. Um, what's that like for you? Because as soon as um, I started thinking, hey, I'm gonna have Igor on the show, I gotta ask mm-hmm. him. By that point, I look at your Twitter feed. Oh, here's another 10 podcasts he's done. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things like... like, Oh, wow, I'm really popular all of a sudden. Everybody wants to talk to me. No, I've
1: always... I've always had a lot of people ask me to go on podcasts. Like, my DMs are always on Instagram. always filled with people inviting me on podcasts. But for some reason, I never wanted to... Not that I didn't want to do it. I just... I don't know. I just always ignored it. I thought, like, what's the point? What's the point? But then... But also because last year during quarantine, I sort of did my own little podcasting where I interviewed some of my friends. And, um, and based I just on thought, some of your
0: tweets, I can tell your friends are very interesting. You're, you're yeah. friends with a lot of people I'd want to listen to. I mean, <laughs> Arthur Kaliev, I'd like to listen to people talk to him. You know, some of these are very interesting hockey players that I want to know to know more about.
1: Yeah, I have it all on my Instagram still on my IGTV. So at that point, when I had a lot of requests to go on podcast during, you know, last quarantine last year... I basically, my thought was like, why would I go on someone else's podcast and I have my own? So I was kind of territorial in terms of that. I didn't want to, you know, take my views somewhere else or whatever, which is kind of stupid thinking about it. But um, for right now, I I didn't have my own thing going. I didn't have my own podcast. So I just figured, you know, I just said yes to the first one. And I was like, hmm, this is kind of fun. So I just kept doing it, kept doing it. And, you know, I'm open to pretty much anything right now.
0: And yes, and that's how you got on Why Hockey. and I'm not trying to say that we aren't important but we're not important at all no you're asking absolutely not important I mean hey I mean the only thing that we did that was notable is said hey we like Mackenzie Wieger like three years before everybody else said that he's good so that's about (laughs) all that's about all we did you know it's a good take sometimes I mean hey I'll I'll take I'll take this one thing it's like saying I like this band before they had their big breakout album which I've never liked before.
1: I'm, honestly, I honestly I, I hate when I say something like that about a musician or a band and then 2 years later everyone loves it. It it honestly drives me insane because I'm like I don't know, it's like they for me it's it's a feeling of like, "Oh, I liked them when they were here and now you like them cuz they're famous." It's like I'm very like um very uh I don't really like top 40 stuff, so like when I when I discover something and then it becomes popular, so I'm happy for like the Musicians, because they're obviously making more money, but at the same time, I'm like, to all my friends, like, oh, you only like them now because they're popular, you don't even understand the intricacies of their music or whatever. So, I always joke around like that.
0: I am a stereotypical hockey fan, I still listen to the same Pearl Jam songs from 10, so <laughs> sorry. I mean, that's 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 boring, but you know, I at some point I have to be like, oh, the, the hockey person has to show it. actually, no, it's not a hockey fan, it's the hockey writer in me yeah because <laughs> every time you see like back when we used to go to concerts you know well, i mean that might be changing shortly but you'd see oh look here's a hockey rider at a pearl jam concert ah they go together <laughs> perfectly <laughs>
1: it's pretty funny
0: and i have to ask another question uh i'll give you a chance to plug this too you're also selling a bunch of merchandise
1: yeah i am i one of my uh now buddies he dm'd me he was like you know I make logos and I, we, we can, you know, cooperate and, you know, make some merch. And I was like, hmm, this is a pretty good idea. Like, I I love my logo that he created for me and I've sort of designed the clothing. He designs the logo and we have a pretty good team going. And, you know, we're we're going to have um, a, a new release for Pride Month, which I'm really excited about.
0: Oh, that's I'm spectacular.
1: Ha- I'm having one of my friends, uh, Issa, design it. She's in the part of that community. So you know, I, I don't feel comfortable designing that because, you know, I'm not part of that community. So I'd rather have someone that's, you know, has the firsthand experience of that, because I feel like a lot of films, if you look at it like a film or something, they'll cast a straight actor for, you know, the role of of someone queer, which I don't want to do this here for my, you know, design of my pride, pride month uh, apparel. So I'd rather have someone in the queer community, you know, come up with that, because at the end of the day, I'm a straight white guy, like, I'd rather have, you know, someone like her do that for me. So I'm very, I'm very um excited for that. And I think it's going to be very exciting.
0: I, I am poor. However, <laughs> I may have to, you know, break my vow of not buying things because I'm poor for that. People <laughs> it, know my career path isn't going very well. We don't make money off Y hockey, uh, but boy, I, I'm, I may have to change my tack for a, uh, Igor Larionov the Second Pride Gear. That is something I'm going to have to. I think I'm going to have to change my opinion on. I might not have a choice.
1: It'll be some good stuff. I'm going to. Because
0: the logo is great, and also we're all we're all five in the end, so we still snicker at 69, uh, and you can wear that (laughs) without any shame.
1: Of course, yeah. I guess I have to ask the
0: question because I haven't done it yet. Why did you pick to wear that? Other than the obvious.
1: So honestly, how it happened was when I was signing for uh, Kunlin, they don't really have much money because of the pandemic, and our budget was sort of cut in half, and they only had a certain amount of jerseys left. And I think there was four jerseys left. Two, two, or one or two of them weren't my size. So the choices were between number sixty-nine, number eighty-eight, and some other number. So at that point, I figured, you know, what would I rather choose? And typically I feel like I would have picked number 88, but I tried to impress a certain young lady and I chose number 69 because of that. And, you know, it worked out pretty well, but, um, honestly, I feel like 69 would have found me eventually. It's a very me type of number because I like to, you know, not take things too seriously. Obviously I, I, I take things seriously when I like play, when I train, but I like my persona to sort of be like very light. So in terms of that, it just worked out that way. It feels like it, it sort of found me, and I had to have a bit of a push to, to get into that, but it would have happened eventually.
0: Okay, so again, let's focus on 88, obviously very famous number in hockey. Anybody mm. could say, hey, I love Derek Lindros. I'm going to wear number 88. And then here mm. you are saying, I'm just going to wear 69 because why the hell not?
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That, <laughs> is,
0: that is so anti-hockey that it, 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 it's so great. I, I just love that. It's, you know, the subverting expectations. thing. It's, it is fantastic. I, as I say, I'm now going on Hockey Reference. I should have done this before, but see which players wore 69. I cannot imagine the number is particularly long. There's not many. There's not a lot. No, I'm looking at who wore 69. And let's see. Two players in Hockey Reference's database. Two! It's not good. <laughs> I, it's just... Well, do, what number did you wear with Windsor? I guess is another question.
1: I was seventeen because I wanted eight, and someone already had eight, so I figured one plus seven equals equals eight. So see,
0: I don't mind that logic at all.
1: Yeah, I was always either eight or all. seventeen or, or something like that, and then here it was sixty nine. When it you sign
0: quick. a contract, if if when you sign a contract somewhere, you have to have it end in sixty nine. You have to have absolutely it end in 69. absolutely. That would be spectacular. A couple quick ones before. We let you go. Um, my co-host, who mm-hmm. is, is burnt out by the Panthers right now, wanted me to ask, because he played hockey and he loves those uh-huh. kinds of things. I'm not, I've never played, so some of this might be foreign to me. Equipment questions. Uh-huh. Yeah, so equipment stuff. Now, I saw you in the ball hockey, you were wearing dot suit gloves, which was obviously spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely top level there. Uh, oh, yeah. So I, equipment stuff, I, I don't know what any of it means, but you can you can maybe explain it to me in English okay so what's the best uh the equipment good good equipment stuff for you and then my co-host will listen to this and tell me what he thinks
1: eventually oh so like the my favorite yeah. pieces of equipment yeah, all right um,
0: pieces. yeah stuff like that
1: i mean obviously skates are very important because it's how you move <laughs> yes but um yeah i use uh true skates and they're they're my favorite because they're sort of like custom made they've they get um like a 3d scan of your foot and they basically mold it to you so it's usually skates are sort of booty but these are kind of more like a sneaker-ish feel because they're literally just like so tight and so perfectly uh, sat on your foot so I, i'm a big skates guy honestly one day i want to i really want to wear white skates because i feel like that's just the power move like sergey fedorov in the 90s i'd love to wear white skates and just I think that's just so sick. I prefer
0: the white skates as the unique statement rather than some of what we saw. Golden Knights, gold helmets.
1: Yeah. I think I think I agree with that. I think it's cool when like you're the only guy wearing white skates or something. I think that's really cool. Well,
0: I mean, if you're going to stand out and you're already wearing number 69, so you're going to stand out.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and then agree. um
0: go full bore at this point.
1: I agree. I agree. You have to. And then my sticks, I always like to get my sticks fully white because my logic is it's sort of blends in with the ice so like let's say if you have the puck and there's a screen or something the goalie can't see you too well your stick sort of blends in with the ice and he can't really see your release but also when you watch the game on tv the guy with the white stick always stands out and i and i do like to stand out a little bit and the last thing that's my favorite is my my visor everyone likes to wear their visor kind of low i love to tilt it all the way up because i'm sort of old school like that like my dad when he plays pickup or something or beer league or even charity oh, games. What, what,
0: what never, would I imagine? Like, hi, I'm going up against Igor Larianov in beer league today.
1: Oh, just wait until he comes back to L.A. And in a couple of weeks, we will be playing beer league. We, I play in a league with a bunch of, like, actors and producers and all these guys. And they, they're always asking, so is the professor coming today? Is the professor coming? Oh, like, I need to
0: when I get to L.A., I need to be there for just, just to see that once. Just to see the look on their face when Igor Larianov is coming at them.
1: It's a lot of fun. It's especially when me and him get together. It's
0: oh, they have to have the fear of God in their eyes.
1: It's yeah. It's kind of uh, it's kind of easy for us because, I mean, th- these guys are great actors, but like, they're not hockey players for a re- for a reason. <laughs> so when we come up against them, it's it's a lot of fun. So
0: do you win beer league every single night, <laughs> or is that like just like, it, it, does it have to be that way, or or have somebody have somebody beaten you two?
1: Whenever we've played together, we've never lost. Um like right now, for example, I when we play every Monday night and usually on my line is is the guy who played Clark Kent. Not Clark Kent, who played um Lex Luthor in Smallville. And he's like he's like he's like a really funny guy. He's a nice dude, but like he's not the best player. So my entire basically skate is I'm trying to get him a goal. Like I have a breakaway and I'll just like turn around and try to get him a goal. So in terms of that, sometimes we lose because you know, he's having a night, a rough night or something. I always like to make fun of him for wearing a cage. I'm like, he's always like, oh, I'm an actor. I can't get any injuries. I'm like, well, if you lose an eye, you'll be cast in the next Pirates of the Caribbean movie or something.
0: I, we don't need Pirates of the Caribbean 17. We, we don't need that. Oh, come on. I've it's played the Pirates fun... of the Caribbean levels in Kingdom Hearts. That's enough for me.
1: They're always making more Disney movies. They're never going to stop. If it makes uh, them any
0: kind of they, money, they, excuse they they should. I'm am ju- just gonna say that they should because we're we're seeing revivals of all of these things now. It's just we don't need them. The first was good enough.
1: That was that was. We fine. don't. We don't. I I agree. We don't. But if they make money over in China, they're gonna keep making them.
0: <laughs> oh boy. I know you're you're speaking the truth, but I mean, <laughs> these these things are just. I haven't even seen them, but I've seen the people react to them on the internet. And mm-hmm. I don't know if there's much that actually elucidates that kind of like, Oh wow. Like you don't usually see Disney movies get that kind of like just hatred.
1: It's the thing it's, is like, if you watch it, I, I like to watch it during the winter time when I'm like, Oh, I just want to be in a beach somewhere and they film in very like stunning locations. So it's one of those things where like, let's say I am on a flight to, you know, Kazakhstan or something in the middle of the season. And it's, negative 40 degrees outside and i just put on pirates of caribbean and automatically i'm transported to jamaica or something and i'm like "Wow, oh, this is amazing
0: <laughs> and it turned out it was filmed on a soundstage in atlanta okay that oh, was i mean i mean that's that that would be my joke about that oh it was actually filmed on a soundstage in london
1: yeah, pretty much everything is
0: nice nice try well again some of it's filmed in georgia somewhere south <laughs> of hartsfield jackson airport and in nondescript airfield or something like that i don't know <laughs> uh, i have to i mean we could ask um so many questions about the, the beer league maybe again i'll get to la and i'm gonna watch those i just have to All see right. one one one's enough I'll, i'm trying to get out to la to watch the jaguars big jaguars fan playing trevor lawrence uh with okay. the rams in december i'm trying for that maybe you'll be off playing but i'll i'm gonna go to try to see that beer league i have to just, just one perfect. night. I can do play-by-play of it to myself, and it'll be great. It'll make me feel oh, like I've accomplished something. A uh, couple of other <laughs> questions before I let you mm-hmm. go. Uh, for you, uh, you're watching the playoffs. You're watching the NHL on a, on a nightly basis. Who's the player mm-hmm. that you're like, man, that's, that's, as, a, as, a, as a fellow pro, who's the player? I mean, obviously, it's probably going to be Conor David, but is there anyone you're like, wow, I can't believe he does that on a nightly basis?
1: I mean, like you said, it's probably Connor McDavid because he's just so fast.
0: But do you have a that's Russian that you'd like to say? Because I would remember, of course, it's Pierre Maguire's like, I talked to Igor Larionov about Kirill Kaprizov lately. And it's like, that's a very Pierre Maguire comment. But, like, <laughs> do you have any one of those? Just just I don't... mean, for
1: Russians, for, for maybe Panarin, he's, I think he's a very good player. But, like, a lot of, like, even Kucherov. I think Kucherov's a great player. Oh, but
0: You're doing this to twist the knife in my back at this point. <laughs>
1: No, no, I'm about to say something something unexpected. Like, I think Kucherov is a great player, but you you never see him do anything like, for example, like a McDavid does. I feel like Kucherov's skill set is more of his like his brains. Where to me that's not as impressive because that's sort of my game. I'm more impressed at something that like a McDavid can do when it's just flat out going two thousand miles per hour for every single game. That's you know that's just shocking. Like, I physically don't understand how a human being is able to. To move that fast, so for me, I guess would have to be McDavid because of that. And I do like Panarin a lot, but he's also sort of the Russian style of, you know, your biggest. Um, it's it's like an Italian uh, soccer coach, one well, not coach. He used to be players a coach now. Once said he said, "Your football is played with uh, your brain, but your legs are the tools, and that's how a lot of Russian players play." So when I look at guys like Kucherov, Panarin, I see they're they're mainly using their brain as what they're playing with but like their stick is like sort of like the tool they don't really play with that but like for a guy like mcdavid his hands and his and his feet are just so fast that's something that i'm incredibly like impressed with
0: i have to mention that sasha Barkov does things like that on an almost he is
1: too he is too he's another player like that he's another player that um that i i think is just so smart and he just reads the ice so well
0: he is, uh, yeah. For for many years, it was the only reason why you'd even want to consider watching the Panthers. That That's probably it. I mean, I mean just, he, gets to live, just... he gets to live the dream. He gets to live in Boca and play hockey for a living. It's great. <laughs> Not bad. I, I I would take that. Uh, yeah. Who's the best you've ever played with? Best player you've played with personally?
1: Does it have to be like a real game or can it be a charity game or okay, anything so, like that?
0: W- okay. Real game and charity game. You can pick you can do separate. That's fine.
1: Real game. That's that's a tough one cuz I've never really played with like um a superstar or anything. I guess I guess the best player I've played with would be would be probably my my best friend Arthur Kaliev.
0: That's a good we answer. There's nothing wrong with that.
1: Yeah, we played together growing up and he's the closest thing I've seen to Ovechkin ever since Ovechkin. There's a Kings
0: League. fan listening to this. They must be ecstatic.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, he is his shot is is once in a generation. I'm not I'm not exaggerating at all. Like all bias. I remember
0: my buddy saying, "Hey, the Panthers should draft him."
1: Didn't happen, but it's okay.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, everyone should have drafted him because a player with a shot like that comes around maybe once every twenty years, fifteen years. Like his his one timer is, like I said, it's it's Ovechkin. Like nobody has a shot like that nobody has a release like that it is absolutely incredible like it's shocking how good he can shoot the puck and how accurate and how hard and just how heavy it is and he doesn't need any time to get it off so in terms of a guy like that people are saying oh he's not a good skater like you don't need to be a good skater ovechkin isn't a technically sound skater he's never been a technically sound skater he's been very powerful and very strong just you know he's able to generate a lot of momentum which you look at arthur he's a young guy give him two, three years, he'll get stronger, and he'll be able to skate the same way. Not really due to technique, but due to power, due to force. But that shot isn't going anywhere. And if you have a shot like that, you're going to score goals at any level.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, skating, we can, we can teach that now. Like, you can become a yeah. better skater. But there course, are some things in, in, skater, in the game yeah. of hockey. There's some things in the game of hockey that you can't teach,
1: you know. Of course. Some of my like my innate, innate. The presence of mind to know where to be, like – that's a lot of things. A lot of people have a good shot, but they don't know where to be to get open. And the, the great players that score a lot of goals are the ones that know exactly where to be to get the puck. And it's almost like they're in places that you wouldn't even expect, and they get the puck and they score. And he's one of those guys. So yeah, that's I do find it impressive
0: still. Ovechkin, I'm watching the Capitals on a power play right now, and like he's going to set <laughs> up in his spot, as he always does. He's going to whale it, and he's probably going to score, and nobody can stop it. I think that, too, is incredibly impressive. Like, if you've got the exactly. same trick and you've done it for all these years and nobody's able to stop it, there's
1: something to that, too. That that's is. that's exactly what I, what I mean by, like, saying that you don't even need to skate to get to your position and to score a goal. And to go further than that, I honestly think Arthur has a higher um, hockey IQ level than Ovechkin, and he might even have better hands than Ovechkin. So if treated the right way and put with a player that can set him up and feed him, the sky's the limit.
0: Hope so, and then for the, your charity game, best player. That would probably be Sergey Fedorov. I think that's a good answer.
1: Mm-hmm. Like he was, we played together last year. It was a charity game. I was on a line with him, McGilney, and then on defense, it was my dad and I think it was Fatisov. And, and it that, was just okay. That's so kind of silly. <laughs> that's just <Yeah>. kind of ridiculous. <laughs> we played against some uh, businessman or something, and. We were just toying with them. It was, you know, just a, a total <laughs> I'm just blast.
0: The, the thought of that. I mean, because c- c- again, like I'm, I'm, I didn't remember the entirety of the rush five. I was a little young for that. But now I'm just thinking about that in my head. I'm going, wow, okay, that's insane. Yeah.
1: That's it was, insane. it was so much fun, and they're they're all still so good. And they're the thing that you know, if you look at like let's say like a power forward he used to play. And you look at them right now, they don't have their size, they don't have their strength anymore, they don't have their speed. They're not going to be as good as they once were. But if you look at these guys who are just – their game was based off of the ability to read the ice and their skills. They all can still – they can still play at a high level. So in terms of that, it was just so much fun to see these guys because they can all still play very, very well. So
0: I see mean. Like, that's the thing. Like, we always talk about it. Like, brains never go away. You know, exactly. your, some of the physical tools might go, but that's why good players could stay in the league for so long. If you've got the brain, sure. and that's why I keep saying hockey IQ is something that if you can have it, if somebody can read the ice and do those things, then you could be in the league for forever. Even in this it's league, like my where dad,
1: yeah. My dad played until he was 44, and he always said that nobody can skate faster than the puck. So that means if you can move the puck, if you can pass, if so you can see the ice, you can be the fastest player out there without moving the most.
0: He's right. Man, it's amazing how it's amazing how simple this game is. Yeah. yeah, literally. Sometimes it is. It is really simple, and it gets overcomplicated. And then you watch the Islanders in the playoffs. I had to do that for my friends who like the Islanders. Sorry, no choice. I agree with that thing. Right. no choice. uh Well, again, the Panthers got eliminated by the Islanders last year in the bubble or whatever.
1: I mean, it's it's painful to watch the Islanders. Honestly, they they play such a defensive style. It's. You know, I, I know it works, but at the end of the day, it's not, like, the hockey that you want to watch. Again, you watch
0: the Islanders early on Sunday, and then you watch the Panthers and, and the Lightning, and the game is, like, it's on speed.
1: Literally. It's I, – I don't even watch the Islanders games because there's there's nothing to learn there.
0: But, with, like, as you're uh, – to wrap up, like, if you're mm. watching that game as another – as a pro, as a fellow pro. What it, yeah. What – stands out to you the most when you're watching that level because i i mean as somebody who watches the panthers every night there's something like okay i'm not surprised by this you know this is all something Mm -hmm. i've seen before but then for somebody like you you're watching this you're going this is legitimately insane and i've never seen my twitter timeline or the general hockey sphere go wow that was insane in the way they did for that game on sunday
1: yeah it was one of those games where like you just want to be part of it you know because it just it looked like it was such a fun game to play in where it's like you, you sort of get jealous watching it because you're like, oh, like, like let's say someone had a chance or something and they and they messed up or they missed an open net or, like, for example, someone had the puck, they made a play, but, like, something else was open and you're just, like, you're sitting there watching it and you're, like, sort of, like, antsy because you're thinking, oh, if I was there, if I had the puck in that position, like, what's-his-name was wide open, I could have hit him or, like, all you had to do was do, like, a little pullback and take a shot and it's, like, one of those things where you're just watching and you just... You just literally want to jump inside the TV and, and get your skates on or something. So because of that, it was, it was just so entertaining. At the same time, it, was, it made you almost feel kind of jealous that you weren't a part of that game. Whereas it's like, oh, this is just the ultimate game that you just want to be part of. There's fans. It's fast. It's offensive. There's so many chances. It's just so much fun.
0: And it took place in Florida.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where a bunch
0: of people on Twitter don't think there should be a team literally had to point it out but it's okay no it's it's listen i i've sat through a lot of crap i deserve that person no i didn't deserve that person but it's okay um igor it's been amazing and i'm gonna give you now your chance to plug yourself and there's so many places for you to plug (laughs) so please go do that because people should be following you and your creativity if they aren't doing that now
1: thank you so um, my Twitter is at Igor underscore Laryanov, LL. The LL is for the Roman numerals. And then my Insta is Igor Larianov underscore LL. And at all of my social media pages, you can just click on my link tree. And once you click on that, there are links directly to my TikTok, my Twitter, my Instagram, my merch. And then there's also some links to some some causes that I'm um, passionate about, like the anti-Asian violence, BLM, LGBTQ plus community, where you can click on those. You can learn. Let's say, for example, you have some problems with like BLM or something. Well, if you click on that, you can learn about it and maybe that can change your mind. And let's say you, you do support BLM or support the LGBTQ plus community. You can click on that. You can find a way to donate. You can find a way to help. You can find so many different ways to, to make a positive difference. So, yeah, you can just find all that on my link trees and all my socials and it's not too it's not too difficult to just read up a little bit, gain some knowledge and hopefully you choose love instead of hate.
0: You've got me very excited for your Pride stuff. Very excited.
1: <laughs> It'll be good, I promise that.
0: Oh, I'm I'm ecstatic. I don't get excited about clothes very often. Almost never. Like and this 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 stuff. I'm t- I'm probably going to buy it. I think I feel obligated to do that now. As, mo- as oh, much sure. as it is, it's like, this is going to be cool Pride stuff, which I never buy, because I have my own thing with Pride, but it's like, for this, I'm, I'm changing tack. It's okay. You, you <laughs> can all, we can all admit we were wrong at points. Again, Eagle, it's amazing to have you on. Thank you for spending some time with us, and good luck the rest of the way. I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me.